0: Heavenly Father, we do thank you for Andrew tonight. We thank you that from a a young age, he's known you. And Lord, you've worked in his heart, in his life. And we pray that as he just shares what's on his heart tonight, Lord, you will just um, open our hearts, open our minds to what he has to say to us. So that we, as we listen carefully, we will not see Andrew but we will just see you uh, giving us what we need tonight. So bless us, Lord, as we listen. Bless Andrew as he speaks. And may we just be blessed in your presence. Amen. Amen. Good to be hearing it. It's Father's Day. Uh, you know, if, if you don't know, it's a, I've, I've got three children. Uh, real privilege uh, to be a, a dad to three wonderful children who frustrate me. They panic me, worry me, vex me, but, but they're great. And, uh, you know, it's been the usual week of encouragement for me from my kids. I won't name and shame, but one of them did say, Dad, I think you're receding. They said, you've not got a forehead, it's a five head. They said, it, it might even be a six head, they said. And then another one who remained nameless said, uh, Dad, I think you should give up cakes. I'm like, why is that? They said, uh, you're looking a beast. These days, so a great week of encouragement for my own own children this week um, but it is it is good to be here. They say that children give you something money can 't buy that 's right poverty it? it's, 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 that 's true uh, f- for me speaking personally it 's a, a day of mixed feelings. I love my Kids like mad, and I miss my own dad like mad. And uh, it may be a day like Adrian shared earlier. It might be a day like that for some of you, that kind of mixed experiences, a positive, negative of our earthly fathers. But uh, Tim shared a first this morning during the time of worship, and it was from 1 John chapter 3. And I thought, yeah, Tim, I'm really gl- I'm glad you shared that. And it see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be ca- called children of God. And that is what we are. And I love that word, lavish. That word lavish is a great word. It means using more than is necessary or reasonable. That's great, isn't it? That Father God lavishes his love upon us. It's more than necessary. It's more than reasonable. But he lavishes his love upon us. And we are his children. That is fantastic, isn't it? Uh, So we're here this Father's Day. And we remember that uh, through the words and, and prayers of worship tonight that we've shared. That we have got an awesome Heavenly Father. We have got an awesome heavenly father. So we're going to look at a father tonight, but I really believe it's a message for us all as well. And if you've got your Bibles with you, bonus Sunday school points, fantastic. Let me press this button. We're going to be reading from uh, Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 43. And it's quite a reading, but I really want us to get this into full context. It's a familiar story, I'm sure. So uh, Mark chapter 5, starting at verse 21. Here we go. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake, where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader, or some uh, versions say a, a ruler of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, Pleading fervently with him, my little daughter is dying, he said, please come and lay your hands on her, heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many many doctors and over the years she had spent um, everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she's gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you even ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realisation of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, oh, that's so precious, isn't it? Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. While he was still speaking to her, uh, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead, there's no use in troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw how much commotion and weeping and wailing there was. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave. And he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said, that's coming up again, isn't it? A hand of the father. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha kawam, which means little girl, get up. And the girl, who was about twelve, who was twelve years old, rather immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. And Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what happened. And then he told them to give her something to eat. Wow, amen. This uh, this story really resonated. Uh, reading it afresh uh, this time with me, it, it, it kind of put me in a position to think a little bit deeper about Jairus and what he was going through. And and it's this, my daughter is now 12 years old and Jairus' daughter was also 12 years old. And it really made me think as a father of a 12-year-old daughter, what must Jairus have been going through? What emotions must have been going through his mind. At that point, the, the panic, the worry, the concern of his 12-year-old uh, daughter's life fading away from in front of him. And we see J- uh, Jairus search out Jesus. And obviously we're reading this uh, passage as well, that uh, there's a woman who suffered bleeding for 12 years. Now we're not going to focus, that's another sermon for another day, but it's quite interesting, in it, that the year Jairus's daughter was born was the year that this woman had started to suffer with bleeding, 12 years, 12 years. And on that day, and in that place, and in that year, Jesus was there and moved in uh, two people's lives miraculously that day in response to faith. We see that, that there's two people at different ends of the spectrum. We've got a synagogue ruler who had a responsibility and authority, who uh, kept the services, conducted services and kept them in order and was well respected in the area. But then we've got a a woman who had been suffering for 12 years with bleeding and was probably rejected, dejected by society, ostracized and, and pushed aside. And we see Jesus here moving in both situations, transforming the outcome to both these people. And I'd just like to say that Jesus is for all. So whether you are in a relationship or not in a relationship with Jesus Christ tonight, he is your savior. He can be your savior tonight as you open up your heart in faith to him, just as we see in this story. So yeah, it kind of resonated in me, uh, this story of Jairus and his 12-year-old daughter. And we see in verse 22 that he was humble in his approach. We see that he fell at the feet of Jesus, we read in verse 22, fell at the feet of Jesus. It was kind of an unprecedented thing for a ruler to do that, but um, he was prepared to take the position of humility and humble himself before Jesus because he knew the answer lay there. And I would encourage us in whatever position we find ourselves in our workplace, whether we're manage, management level or factory floor level. The best position that we can ever be in is in humility and being humble before Christ. Verse 23, it says that he, uh, there was faith in his request. He, he said, put your hands on her, my daughter, so she will live. He placed his faith in the hands of Christ. Wow. Uh, And then verse 35, we see that he trusted Jesus in the journey. Even when people came to him he said, there's no no point in troubling the teacher now. Just back off, leave him alone. We read that actually he continued. And, you know, life for us might take us on a different path to the one we planned, but I want to encourage you tonight to keep trusting. So that's kind of a bit of a side note to where we're going because I want to see that we understand that Jairus was a father, a faith-filled father, And so there's three things that we're going to briefly look at tonight uh, that were a challenge to Jairus. And they may be a challenge for us, but actually Jesus spoke into these three areas specifically in in this story, in this passage. First thing that we see is distance distance. I don't know, maybe you've been on some crazy journeys yourself, but I, uh, I have. Remember the days when uh, you didn't have safety belts on in cars, no sat-navs, where it took like the day before to your mom, for your mum and dad to read the map to see where you were going. And, uh, and then if you had an estate car like us with four kids, three seats in the back, one of you always ended up in the boot. Remember those days? Don't, don't do it now. Those days are gone. And uh, the f- five famous words, Are oh, we're nearly there yet. Yeah, I remember that. Um, I remember, now this is bad parenting all over, this is. My mum had let my sister, but uh, Carolyn, uh, younger sister, buy a whole bag of Smarties from the market before we went on holiday. And they weren't like the nice Smarties, they were cheap Smarties, really bright. You know, the E numbers that must have been in them. And uh, let her eat them on the way to our long journey on holiday. And what happened was, my sister said, oh... I think I'm going to be sick. So my mum said, "Oh, wind the window down," and uh, you can imagine what happened next. And we had to pull over, and me, me and my dad sort it out. It was like my dad had driven into a rainbow side <laughs> side of the side of the car, smartest all over the place. Um, journeys. I'm sure we've all got some memorable journeys in our life. Uh, and I'm, we're not sure, the Bible doesn't tell us the distance of Jairus's journey to go and find Jesus and, and then coming back, but the distance must have felt like forever. Can you imagine every step that he was taking to Jesus was a step thinking, I hope she's going to make it. I hope she's going to be alive. And imagine this journey back as well with Jesus. Oh, oh I hope she's going to be okay. Jesus is with me now, but are oh, we going to make it in time? It must have felt like he was going in slow motion. Not only that, we read that there was actually a stoppage in the journey. They, they had to stop. And, and, and you know what? Jesus miraculously moved in that woman's life who had suffered for 12 years. But I just think, and put myself in this story, if it was my 12-year-old daughter, I'd be like, Jesus, what on earth are you thinking of? We've got to get back. We've got to get back. Uh, what, what, this, is, this is painful, you standing here with this woman and having a conversation when my daughter, the humanity of me cries out, Jesus what are you doing this delay in this journey while my daughter's dying and it kind of Jesus was there with him in all of that and we don't read that Jairus was ranting and raving at Jesus we just read that he trusted him and you know maybe for us in our own lives sometimes the journey that life takes us on seems a long distance journey and we're just wanting Jesus to hurry up and do something in our life we we're pressing in and asking Jesus, Jesus would you hurry up and sort this job situation out for me or the, the battle that I'm having with my kid or that my child's gone away from the Lord and uh, Jesus when are you going to do something maybe our journeys feel like that tonight and we question why What he's doing and why has he done it already? Listen, let me speak something into this because maybe that resonates with some of us tonight. We're wondering where Jesus is, where we find ourselves in our life right now. There's a guy called Dylan Burroughs and he wrote uh, his devotional journey through the book of Psalms and he wrote this in it. God is never late and really early. He is always exactly right on time and that time is his time. The best time will always be his time. And maybe a better question for us to ask ourselves in that situation is, what am I learning in what seems like a long-distance marathon? And we see that long-distance interrupted journey of Jairus was also a journey with Jesus. I love this in verse 24. It says this, Jesus went with him. He didn't isolate Jairus in his journey it didn't send him away and say, listen, I'll be with you, Jairus, in a bit. I'm just going to take a, a saunter. I've just got this lady who touched my robe to deal with. It, we don't read that. What we read in verse 24 is that Jesus went with him. There's real encouragement for each of us in this just to know that whatever you road you are traveling on right now, that Jesus is with you. Jesus journeyed with Jairus through every long, painful step of that journey back towards his daughter. And the the distance didn't change who Jesus was or what Jesus could do in that situation. In fact, we we can see that through this, that distance is no hindrance to his limitless power. And I'd say that for us in our lives as well, that distance is no hindrance to his limitless power. When it feels like God might be a million miles away, when it feels like we've wandered miles away, distance is no hindrance to what Jesus can do, just as Jairus discovered there. I love a promise that we find in Psalm 84, and it says, blessed are those who make you their strength, for they treasure every step of the journey. It's finding strength in Jesus and who he is and making him our strength for our journey, that there is treasure in every step of that journey. So I'd be encouraged in that. However we feel tonight, Jesus went with him and he also goes with you. That's in your workplace, in your college, in your university, back to your family tonight, wherever you go, be assured of Jesus' presence with you every step of the way. Next thing We've got another D. Another D word there uh, is doubt. It's the second challenge that Jesus addressed in this. Uh, The only time I remember going to the zoo, the the circus, it was pretty much like a zoo to be honest. The circus, uh, a couple of things happened. One of them was I was treated to a candy floss because it was one one and only time and I love candy floss. And uh, I was holding it tightly as a small child. I think I was about 10 or 11 I made a candy floss on a stick. I was so excited to be able to eat it, but I was going to save it for when I saw the clowns. And, um, and I remember I got too close to the person in front of me in the queue, and as they walked off to find their seat, my candy floss went with them. I just left with an empty stick. But, but the other thing that happened was there, there was an escapologist uh, there. And listen, in terms of escapology, I wouldn't recommend it as a career. It, it's, it's hard to get out of if you change your mind. Sorry about that. I'm sorry. Anyway... So this escapologist asked for a volunteer to tie him up into a straitjacket. And of course, that volunteer had to be my dad, didn't it? So my me, uh, me dad went out and uh, the, the escapologist was like this in a straitjacket. And my dad was there tying it was under there and around the back. And, and, uh, and then my dad went and came and sat back down. And then uh, the escapologist declared, uh, I will now, within two minutes get out of this straitjacket. And uh, so the drum was rolling in the big top and everyone's like on the edge of the seats. Uh, nine minutes later, he was still struggling to get out. And my dad turned around to me and said, I'm just making sure. And uh, he'd done it so tightly that he couldn't get out. And I think it was after 10 minutes, some stewards came off and took the escapologist off, <laughs> off the stage at the circus and, Never have I felt so proud and embarrassed of me, Daddy, all in one go. Um, but uh, why am I saying that? I don't know why I'm saying that. I'm saying that because doubt can sometimes be a straitjacket that holds us back. Doubt can sometimes be the thing that restricts us from moving forward in our faith. Doubt can be something that holds us back rather than helps us to move forward in our journey. And we read actually that G, uh, the, the lady who was bleeding wasn't the only interruption in this journey. We also read that there were voices of doubt of what Jesus could do. We read that there was a crowd in the story that was telling Jairus to stop, stop bothering the teacher. Let's just forget about this. Let's, your daughter's dead. There was those voices that doubted Jesus and his capability and his power uh, and we read as well that in another, um, in another gospel, it talks about that how, how the, the mourners were all there, but they were, they were likely to be hired mourners, pe- people that were hired to mourn and to weep and wail well, to make all this commotion, as Jesus put it. And in uh, and, and the crowd, we read that the crowd even laughed at Jesus. Ha ha ha, who do you think you are? Why, why even bother turning up? But we read that the crowd jeered and mocked Jesus because he was still prepared to take every step of that journey with Jairus back to his home. And listen, there'll always be voices of doubt. There'll always be a crowd that opposes our faith in Jesus Christ. There'll always be people that mock and jeer what we're about when we decide to follow Jesus and we read in, uh, in, it was in Luke 8, actually, the house was filled, filled with people, weeping and wailing and funeral music. And they've given up on Jesus. But the incredible thing is, Jesus hadn't given up on her. And he doesn't give up on us. And what did Jesus do? In verse 40, he says that he made them all leave. All the doubters, all the mockers, all those that jeered, all those that made fun of Jesus and laughed at him. He made them all leave and he closed the door on them. And he didn't leave any room for that voice that opposed faith but promoted doubt. And he spoke encouragement to Jairus. And this is what he said, verse 36. Don't be afraid, just have faith. So you can see Jesus is just journeying with the challenges that Jairus faced on that, uh, as he made his way back to his home. And we'll probably all have times of doubt and faith, our faith being challenged. And, uh, and I want to encourage us tonight to find encouragement in Jesus' words, to, to feed our faith and not voice the, the voice of doubt. I was telling Adrian this last week, actually, I watched a doc- documentary about Billy Graham on Netflix. It's some absolute r- rubbish on Netflix. But there's a great documentary about Billy Graham if, you wanna, if you're on Netflix and you want to find it out. And he's w- w- it, always been one of my... Uh, heroes of the faith. Just fantastic. No dirt stuck to me. He's just lived his life following Jesus. One thing that came up in this documentary, though, that I didn't realise is a time in his life where he didn't feel so faith-filled. In fact, he'd, he'd said that he was having doubts about his faith. Uh, it was a bunch of his companions, and we're thinking about voices speaking doubt some of his companions and friends who are speaking doubt into his life. Do you really think this Bible's all it's cracked up to be? Do you think some of it's just made up? Do you think that actually it's, we can't take it literally or that it's not the word of God? And his friends who are speaking doubt into his mind. And then I'm going to read you some of the extract from his autobiography. It's amazing. So he had all these things going off in his mind. And then it says, one night at Forest Home, he walked out into the woods and set his Bible on a stump. And he cried out, oh God, there are many things in this book I don't understand. There are many problems with it for which I have no solution. There are many seeming contradictions. There are some areas in it that I don't seem to correlate with modern science. I can't answer some of the philosophical and psychological questions Chuck and others are raising. And then the autobiography goes on to say, and then he fell to his knees and the Holy Spirit moved in him as he said, father, father. I'm going to accept this as thy word by faith. I'm going to allow faith to go beyond my intellectual questions and doubts. And I will believe this to be your inspired word. The autobiography goes on to say that actually he stood up, his eyes stinging with tears. But he felt the power and presence of God in his heart and life that he'd never felt before, like in a way before. And he said this, a major bridge had been crossed. And from that moment on, he was propelled into the kind of global uh, work of declaring the gospel. That's incredible. That's incredible that Billy Graham, great man of God, had a point in his life where he doubted. It's incredible that of all the places that he chose to rest his Bible, he chose a stump. A place where there was no growth, nothing was happening. And he applied the word of God, not just to the stump, but to, to the stump of his heart where he was. And maybe tonight, we just need to embrace God's word and the promises that are in it, that we find in it to the stump of our lives that might be stopping us from going on where it seems that there's no growth by the word of God and ask for the Holy Spirit to move once again. Maybe there's a bridge in our life where we just need to accept Jesus' words, that bridge that, that Billy Graham crossed. And maybe just those words of Jesus, don't be afraid, just have faith. And then finally, we see this third day that was a challenge that Jesus addressed in this whole situation. And it was death, death. Hard one sometimes to talk about. Um, Sally will remember this, I'm sure. Um, when we was in Guyana, can you remember Sally? And, and Sally and Penny and the, uh, the then Pastor Michael, was, we went as a team to minister to the churches. They'd gone out for the day. I was so ill. I'd just eaten something that disagreed with me. And you can imagine what that led to. And and they just had to leave me in bed. So they all cleared off for the day, left me in bed. Partway through the day, I did not have a clue what was happening. But three big burly fellas came in, dragged me out of bed, threw me on the back of a truck. And I'm like, oh, where are we going? I was so faint. Where are we going? And they said, you're going to a pastor's house. And then they, they propped me up in front of this pastor. And they said, you need to pray for him. And I put my hand on him. And I passed out again. <laughs> and, uh, and then they took me on the truck and drove me back and put me in bed. Be- bewildering, the stuff that happened there. But uh, what had happened and why they'd, they'd called on me to go, because no one else was around, but this, um, it was a pastor whose daughter, um, probably a similar age to the Jairus' daughter, had actually been uh, killed in a minibus accident. And she'd been trampled to death by other children trying to get out of the minibus that was... Um, Tipped over in a ditch. A few days before, the daughter had had a vision of her uh, singing with a choir, singing about Jesus. And then the report came back from from the pastor. That, so glad you could come, even though you weren't well. Um, and he he said he told, told said the story, and he said she's now singing with a choir of angels about Jesus, and it was so so moving. And uh, as I heard that story, um, you remember that, Sally? I also think that there's hope in that helpless situation. And that Pastor, what I saw in his eyes, his tear-filled eyes then, was actually hope that his daughter was with Jesus. And it was an, an end of, just an end of her life, but it was a beginning of eternity with Jesus. And, you know, we learn from this story and from stories like that, that even death does not negate hope. Even death does not negate hope. In the face of adversity, the Bible tells us that we can have hope in Christ. In fact, it says in 1 Thessalonians that that we don't grieve like a people without hope, we have hope through Jesus Christ. Our hope is in Christ, who overcame death and sin, who extends an invitation for all of us uh, to eternal life, who fills us with that same resurrection power uh, that we can live for him. And Jairus got the news that his 12-year-old daughter had died, but it wasn't the end of the story. And Jesus spoke this in verse 39, she's only asleep. She's only asleep. Listen, there may be some absolute rubbish that happens in our lives. There's no immunity button that we press when we become a Christian. I'm a Christian now, so there's my immunity button. It's all going to go well. doesn't exist. And if anyone's told you it exists, they're lying. Because we know from our own lives, some pretty rubbish stuff can happen. But Jesus is our hope in hopeless situations. We are people not without hope. And you know what? It might be a different outcome in our life than it was for Jairus and for his daughter. But the Bible says that he is an ever-present help. And we will grieve. And we will go through loss. And we will hit tragedy. We will get hurt. We will hit bumps in the road of our lives. And on that distance journey that we sometimes feel like we're taking. But none of it can separate us from the love of God. Romans 8. All that stuff. Whatever rubbish we go through. None of it. Can separate us from God's love. So today I am thinking about being a dad, but I'm also thinking about my dad. And I think that he was uh, so filled with hope and faith and God's love. He, even in those last moments that we were with him, he was so filled. It was as real then as when he was preaching from the pulpit the hope, the, the God's love, the faith that he had. So we know that the hope we have in Christ is real. And part of Jesus' uh, divine plan for that little girl in that story was for her to be resurrected. And you know what? He's got a divine plan for us. He's got a divine plan for each of us, wherever we're sat right now. He's got a divine plan for this church. He's got a divine plan for this town. He's got a divine plan for this nation and for this, this world that we live in. He, he's got a plan for us that we know his resurrection power uh, Part of his plan is that even death can't hold us back from being reconciled to God. As Jesus died on the cross, he was reconciling us back to God. The empty tomb speaks of a great hope that we have that Jesus is alive. There is hope for us, even in hopeless situations. So I just want to finish with this. and I'm going to ask Jordan if he'll come, wherever Jordan is. Cheers. Jordan, you just led us so sensitively early in God's presence. Thanks, mate. Those three areas that maybe, three areas that we are ourselves facing right now, maybe it is the, the distance and we're just, just not feeling it. Maybe it's areas of doubt. we will be really struggling with doubt and feeling maybe even we're losing faith. And maybe it is that whole thing of death. Maybe we just feel absolutely hopeless and we're not sure what's ahead. I want to encourage you to let Jesus speak into your fears and doubts this evening, just as he did to Jairus on that journey. Those challenges that you face, even tonight, I I want to encourage you to hear the hope-filled voice of Christ speaking into your situation, leading you, assuring you, don't be afraid. Just have faith. I love it that in this story, Jesus didn't only speak to Jairus, but he also spoke to Jairus' daughter. It says there, Talitha Koam, the literal translation. Some translations say it's little girl, get up. Literal translation of that is it's like a pet name that you give your, your child out of that and dim and I call our call read and pop it I pop it All right. it's a, it was beyond just little girl get up it, the literal translation of, of that phrase is little lamb rise up little lamb rise up it's just Jairus' daughter was precious to him but she was also precious to Jesus that's why he used a term of endearment, because she was precious to him. Little lamb, rise up. Little lamb, rise up. It's a beautiful picture, is of, of the compassion of Christ. That same Christ who's with us tonight. Little lamb, rise up. Rise up from that place of sleep. Rise up from that place of doubt. Rise up from that feeling stuck on the journey that you're on. Rise up, little lamb, rise up from a place of feeling insignificant and sidelined to a place where you know how important you are to me. Little lamb, rise up. Can I invite you to stand to your feet if you can? And we're going to close shortly in prayer. And don't feel you've got to rush off. We've got refreshments that are ready as well. Maybe tonight we can relate to those challenges that seemed absolutely insurmountable in that story. But I want to encourage us that Jesus is with us on that journey. And he's not given up. He's not abandoned. He's not left you. Jesus went with him. Every step of that hard and difficult journey back. Not knowing what the outcome would be when he got to that place. Being told by people, I'll oh, just leave leave Jesus alone. Leave him. Just get on with your life. Move on. Can't move on. Jesus went with him Jesus I just thank you that you gave us an invitation in teaching us about prayer to address God as father our father wow Lord we just thank you that Jairus was a faith filled father full of faith as he approached you Full of faith on that journey back. Full of faith that Jesus, you could move in that situation. Despite those things that would come along the way and contradict him stepping out in faith. The the doubt, the the distance back, the, the fact that people said that his daughter had died. Jesus, you went with him. Father, I just pray that tonight in this place, wherever we are in our journey, with you. God, we'll be assured of your presence and your power and your peace and your love and the hope that we find in you, Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. We're going to sing this, our final song, and I want to encourage you, if you feel that's a word that resonates in your heart, I want to encourage you just to come out. We'd love to pray for you. If you can't come out, you feel you're you don't want to come out then I would encourage you just to get someone near you say will you pray with me in this will you pray with me and help me through this oh Jesus release your word tonight I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit